Welcome to Under the Blanket Podcast. And your whole life has been leading up to this moment. So let's settle into this moment and perhaps consider just letting this podcast wash over you and not getting so busy listening to it. Rather, the listening's just happening and the thinking about whatever's being said is just happening or you might be involved in something else while you're listening. Maybe you're playing video games while you're listening uh, or whatever. It doesn't matter. This is for you. This is a service to you, Rom, and I'm glad to serve you. So I have with me today, Cedar Rom Das. Say hello, Cedar Rom Das. Hi. Okay, so Cedar Ram Das has been on the show before um, with one of my more popular episodes. So he gets the the more popular uh, views, like um, for whatever reason. And um, uh, my partner Elise, it's her favorite episode was the episode I had where you were on, where you said talked about "I love you" and you emphasized that those three words that every Every um, people have said over and over to each other for a long time, right? Yeah, those are those are powerful words. All right. So I picked out a poem to start us off to get the ball rolling, so to speak, uh, from your blog of your website. It's called This Blade of Grass. So I'm going to read this. The bottom half folds into the stem the way some tongues do, cupping a soft streak of shadow. The top half glistens with sparkle and subtle sun glaze. It bends forward to a slightly drooping tip. Beneath it hangs a bold sphere of dew. It could be any blade of grass, but it's not just any blade of grass. It's this blade of grass. Here before me, as the sun hovers above the canopy, to cheerfully greet this day, this breath, this blade of grass, that through chance or circumstance or something unknown, has enchanted me into a beauty so deep, that even if it could get any better, all I really want is this. Ah, so that that one uh, spoke to me. I did have an experience once where uh, all the grass was just so vivid colors and it was like singing to me, Hare Krishna. And it was just everywhere I looked, the grass was singing Hare Krishna. And it was funny because George Harrison of the Beatles, people may have heard of, they have that new Beatles movie on Disney+. Plus. He had an experience where the the grass sang Harry Krishna, if I remember correctly. So I thought that was a good place to start. What was that poem about? Um, and that sort of thing, if you could go into what you had an experience that inspired that or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially with the poems when I write, there are real visceral experiences that, I mean, there's direct memories I have of whatever moment of insight, you know, awake in that particular poem. And that one, 
I remember I was there there's this area it, it was when I was at Ramdas's house and there was this area at, at the bottom corner of the property where I had built this little makeshift temple out of tarps and the point of it was so that I could be there and I could chant whenever I wanted and not disturb anyone at the house and I was down there and I don't remember if I had just gotten done chanting or if I was just down there doing something else but I was in that area of the yard and just in a very meditative space and and looking at the the grass the the grass that grows in, in Hawaii and just being really struck by a particular blade of grass and uh, it inspired me to write a love poem for that particular blade of grass so it, it wasn't a that wasn't a hypothetical yeah, that that was a, a real direct message to a, a particular blade of grass. Wonderful. And, you know, the blade of grass has a message, perhaps, of nobody's specialness. Because, you know, the blade of grass could symbol humility, you know, just going with the flow and just being nobody special. Because, you know, I feel the spiritual awakening is all about the death of any sort of specialness. And we just become part of it all like a blade of grass and i some of my best gurus have not been people they have been like a blade of grass or in particular there's this peace pilgrim park uh near where i live that i love to go it's kind of like my church and i go there with my partner and we just love to there's a stream and there's a little statue of the peace pilgrim and there's flowers and the stream in particular, right? If you just consider this, listener, just if you have a stream nearby or something, or you could access one, not a stream on the internet of your usual porn websites. Take a break from that. The goat porn can wait. Go and find the stream that's just a stream and just sit with it and just be with it. And you'd be surprised how that could teach you about the flowing of the mind. So, you know, what about you? So do you learn anything from these type of non-people? Yeah. Well, you know what I was struck by with you talking about nobody special is that there's dual meanings with that word. And the one is, yeah, me as an individual self, you know, is nobody special, but also that nobody right? The essence of reality itself, that all-pervasive nobody, uh, is very special. And uh, a blade of grass is is that special nobody. Uh, and uh, and I well, think... Yeah. Go on, sorry. Well, I think nature has a really special way of pulling us into that because uh, nature doesn't think of itself as a separate self. So it it's it can be a very clear mirror. Yeah, yeah, that's I I felt like Neem Kral Baba, you know, the the podcast is named after him, the blanket. And uh he did say that to see God it takes special eyes cuz you can't bear the shock. So it's interesting cuz we become nobody special in the sense that we're all the same. We realize this space that we all have, that a blade of grass has, that a stream has, 
that a squirrel has. We all have this state of oneness within us. So it's not special. We all have it. It's all the same. Yet in the times we live in, it does take special eyes because you look around. Most people are not going around seeing God. Could they even bear the shock? I think that that's what he means. There's multiple levels. So it does take you do have to develop these special eyes that are not that are very different than the average person. So uh, how will how can say someone out there they want to see God? They want to have these experiences. They've had little glimpses here and there. And they are intrigued by this special eye thing. How do they develop these special eyes? Yeah. Well, the thing to remember is that it's not something special that we're looking for. So what that means is that whatever awakening moments that people have had and whatever feelings were associated with them and whatever thoughts were associated with them and whatever kind of clearness of mind that was associated with those awakening moments, it's going to be a mistake to look for those. Right. Because that's that's essentially like a it's a false idol thing. Right. We're we're deifying a particular mental, emotional state and we're saying that that's that's the holy. But really what that was, that was the outcome of us resting in what's always and already true. And so that attachment, I mean, that happens common. I mean, it's just it's common aspect of the spiritual path, any type of meditation practice, any time, anytime we deepen into a new level of awareness, attachment's going to come in. And so it's, it's with those kind of special eyes, to use that phrase, we're not looking for something special. We are practicing seeing the sacred in what's already true, what's already there. And um, that involves more of a letting go than it does a reaching outward. Yeah, yeah. I, I found that faith, as I understand it, is just letting go, is this just complete letting go. It's, and I find it's interesting that we let go what we're ready to let go of. So in this moment, yeah. doing this podcast, I just let go whatever I'm ready to let go of and I feel that peace now, you know, because there is a readiness to all this. Like Neem Baba said with the special eye thing, it takes special eyes to bear the shock. And I think of um, the Gita where Arjuna, uh, uh, um, Krishna reveals that he's all of it. That he's talking about he's everything and he sees all the universes going into the mouth of Vishnu and he's terrified. Uh, of all this and um, you know I've had that experience on an astral planet I remember dreaming and just seeing my all of it and just it was just but I, I found if you just if you just go in go with it you don't have to be like Arjuna go back to being Krishna which is fine you can't we can bear it we can bear it and we can go with it so that brings up this topic of readiness, you know, the different stages and readiness. Perhaps you could go into that. Yeah, well, I, I like you pointing that out because uh, I've had this experience and it sounds like you have too, where, um, 
you know, there's this aspect of like abject terror just at the core bottomless nature of existence itself, which it, it's a part of the truth of existence. And um, but if we surrender into the terror itself, not surrendering to get rid of it, but actually fall into it to relax into this primal state, um, we find that it's it's no different than uh, sheer ecstasy, right? And so, you know, what this points us to is just how intimate uh, just the nature of our relationship with reality is. Um, it's quite exquisite. And what that nature, what, uh, what that relationship means is that all states of consciousness are a part of the perfect nature of the universe of consciousness. And so that means even the forgetting is holy, right? You know, Ramdas talks a lot about just us honoring where we're at in the path and the remembering and the forgetting are both holy. They're both a perfect manifestation of perfection in the moment. And so we kind of let ourselves off the hook. And as our faith grows, that this bottomless nature of reality, this fathomless, bottomless nature that involves both violence and sheer terror and ecstasy and bliss, that it is ultimately the ultimate good, right? The essence of love itself. The more we grow into faith of that, the more we grow into faith that wherever we're at on our journey is exactly where we're supposed to be. And that allows us to relax a little bit. And what we learn is that relaxing, another way to say letting go, that's actually one of our biggest aids on the path. So in a way, we kind of let go of this reaching forward, stressful, effortful part of the spiritual path that in the beginning, we do need, I mean, most of us carry that into the path, but as we grow in the path, we tend to learn that bit by bit, we can let go of that and that we're really, truly, deeply okay. Yeah, I remember reading something that Ramana Maharshi was saying about effort and effortlessness, and I, I has to do exactly what you're saying about this different stages, and you start out, and that there is a stage, an earlier stage, where it, there's great effort required to orient inward. So we're, because we're, we're, we're oriented, especially with our culture and capitalism and all that reinforcing it, we're oriented outward. We're going to find it out there with an experience, usually something in the future. And, you know, commercials play into that. You're not enough now. You'll get the McDonald's fries and you'll be okay. And, my partner is giving me a look. She's laughing because I don't know why, but I I don't sit here and plan out these podcasts. They just happen. But McDonald's keeps coming up in a lot of episodes. And someone out there probably thinks I work for them, but I don't. <laughs> I don't get any check from them. Anyway, so McDonald's send me a check. No. So I, the point is, um, what I was trying to make, I got a little distracted. But, you know, we're oriented outward. And we think we're going to find a relationship, our money, our success, our something like that, some experience, a bucket list, right? But that it, there's, so there's an effort required to orient us inward to that being, to the God within. But then 
you're like you're saying, we get to the stage where we could just let go that we are that being. We don't need to achieve it. We don't need to make an effort to orient inward. We're oriented inward and we're just allowing every step along the path and negatives okay and positives okay and all of it's forgetting remembering you it's such a beautiful place to be i find when you're able to let go of the effort yeah and i like i like you pointing out more of that aspect of that relationship too because the, the other thing that we're confused about in the beginning and it's also why effort is required. And the truth is, is there's an element where all of us are beginners on the path. And that's kind of a useful framework because there's moments where all of us need to put in a little bit more effort. There's moments we need to relax more. And it, part of the, the reason why is that um, the other thing we're confused about is we often don't even really know what it means to relax and to let go. Uh, you know, culturally, we're very programmed that relaxing means, you know, drinking alcohol and just binge watching Netflix. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but that's that's kind of our framework. That's that's the way that we know how to relax, um, rather than seeing that there's actually effort involved in doing that. Right? That when we talk about relaxing, we're talking about something that's deeper and more subtle than that. And in that letting go process, it's there's kind of this dance where there's moments in the, the letting go process where it really feels like it's entirely up to us and we need to do it. And there's this sense of pressure. And then there's other moments where it's completely out of our control and we're just here. And, and both of those sides of it neither one's quite right there, but they're both pointing at it. And both of those sides are, are necessary in that process of, of letting go. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is a really deep and intimate thing. And it, something that Krishnas often teaches that he heard from Sidhi Ma, uh, who is Neem Kurali Baba is often said to be kind of uh, prime devotee and the one that took care of all the temples after he left his body and uh, a lot of people saw her as a saint in her own right she said you know yes it's true that free will is an illusion and if, if you think that there's something that you're supposed to do you should do it yeah um uh, especially what you're bringing up, I want to get into about the Netflix and the drinking because I, I somewhere along before there was Netflix, I remember reading some kind of article in Time magazine or something back when people read magazines and you hold them and everything. <laughs> um, it, it said something about like they studied brains, you know, and you like the science stuff, so I figured I'd bring up some science stuff where they yeah. studied the brain, um, and you know how it uh, reacts to television, you know, because people think that's relaxation. So they figure, you know, study the brain while average people watch TV. Is it a state of relaxation? It's actually a state of like tension. It's like it's sort of like you feel a little buzz. You, it's like a buzzing kind of feeling. It, this is in general. Some people can sit and watch Netflix and be in a state of samadhi perhaps or relaxation or whatever but this is probably for most people 
you know, what they're scrolling down and they're Netflixing and they're binge watching. Are they really relaxed? Are they involved in the story? Do they want to find out what happens to the Tiger King or whatever it is? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. And I, you know, to bring this more of the science lens in, you know, in modern psychology, one of the interesting frameworks that I find interesting is internal family systems, where essentially they've looked at the ego and said, it's not just one entity that there's actually, it's useful to think of it as like there's multiple people in there. And um, it kind of brings up why we feel relaxed when we binge watch a movie, because that it's relaxing a part of our brain. And it's one that in our culture is on hyperdrive. And that's the problem solving managerial task focus. You got to do this. 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 And so we're giving that one part of the ego a break. Um, but then these other parts are coming in and, and you know, they're very active, as, as you're pointing out. Um, but it's the reason why we do feel like we're relaxing because we're relaxing part of our brain. And um, and oftentimes we need that. Right. And there's nothing wrong with watching a good movie. Um, but when we're talking the way that w what you and I are talking about when we're talking about letting go and relaxing is we're, we're talking about a total release that is deeper than a particular part of the brain letting go. And as we know, in that kind of release, um, ultimately what's being released is the the doer, right? So the brain and the body still exist when this letting go happens. And that's why it's, again, a very intimate thing that sometimes hard to capture in words. Yeah. Um, and there's all, all kinds of ways to look at this stuff. Like I remember listening to this particular Ram Dass lecture, and I don't think I've ever heard anyone put it like this. He said, you know, all the people say watching television a lot, people watch it a lot. He was talking about the seven hours a day statistic back before the Internet, whatever the statistic is now, as far as people don't really watch TV as much, maybe. But we're, it's there's all that TV type stuff on the Internet. The point is, they said, you know, all these fantasies are being lived out without having to live them out. So a person could yeah. sit there. And watch all these fantasies, but on another level, they're burning out this karma. So they don't need to yeah. come back in a life and be a detective uh, solving some case. Because they watch all these police movies, they burned out that karma, and now they don't have to come back as a police officer. And so on and so forth. So it's like hyper, making a hyper sort of working out of karma in uh, on the planet at this time, since so many people have access to this stuff, they're living out all these fantasies, they're burning out all these desires through vicariously living through these television shows. And he thought it was a very good thing. So yeah. I really like that. That was refreshing. What do you think about that? I love that. Well, and that's what I've learned is that because I my primary way of learning is through reading. Um, my partner she really learns quite a bit, you know, about different peoples and cultures and subcultures. You know, she really likes watching just drama TV shows, you know, about different groups of people, you know, and she'll learn about all sorts of different things, including even neurological diversity. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I there's benefit from from art, you know, I mean, there's an element of it where these things are art and that element of burning karma. What I want to say about that. I think it's really interesting, but I do feel bummed because I like superhero movies and um, 
what I hear from that is that we're, every time I watch one, I'm decreasing the likelihood that I'm going to reincarnate as a superhero. Yes, exactly. You will never come back <laughs> as a superhero. I'm sorry, but uh, you just, you already burned them out. So yeah. it's gone. No, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it's interesting because we, we, um, as far as that goes, uh, with preferences, right? You, you notice on a human level, we have these preferences, like you just described about the superhero thing. And I can pull up the file with preferences of the human Amen, the incarnation Amen. And I find what's helpful is to factor in the third Zen patriarch, where it says preferences are the disease of the mind. And, you know, someone out there might be triggered by that. But just look at it as not like a neg- It's just like pointing out that you don't have to go on all these trips about all that stuff. That a preference could be just a thought that comes up. I like superhero yeah. movies. And then it's gone. And then it's gone. And it's gone, gone. And it's all just clouds in the sky of our awareness. Rather than build it into a model and cling to it of I like superhero movies and I like this movie when I was five and this movie when I was ten. Right. You know what I mean? So uh, you've probably heard of the third Zen patriarch thing. Well, right? Yeah. And th- this is actually interesting. I, I I know that we're coming close to the end of time, but you just really stimulated my mind. So when I was a kid, my favorite movie of all time was Star Wars. I loved it. Right. And now I don't get as much of a charge when things come out. But then when the new Star Wars movies came out, I noticed all this nostalgia and the story that I have about myself. I'm someone Star Wars is my favorite movie. And and I went through this whole, you know, I, I kind of like kicked up my energy, like the romantic, like I'm I'm excited. I'm excited about Star Wars. I wore my Star Wars shirt and I went for opening day for, the, you know, the three new movies. And through this process, you know, of burning through karma. Right. I noticed that. Um, Towards the end, the three new movies that came out and then the other side movies, I found myself not, I wasn't able to kick up the same amount of enthusiasm anymore, right? Like that part of me that was kind of faking it to live out a story and there's nothing wrong with it. It was fun, but there was this natural falling away through the process of these new movies coming out where I just saw that I, I wasn't able to do that anymore, you know, to Plus, kick up I'm going to stop you right there because they'll never be good as the original Sorry, um, uh, George <laughs> Lucas and George Lucas took a big poop on the original Star Wars. He took a poop on his own movies, but we're not going to get into that. We're near the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're near the end of the show. And don't think about George Lucas taking a poop. Rather, consider um, Sita Ram Das is going to talk about some things you could check out if you're interested and him and his teachings or whatever, how he puts it. So if you could uh, plug your websites and that sort of stuff or whatever you want to talk about, go. Absolutely. The main thing I want to talk about briefly is just, um, I am the director of the Sacred Community Project, which is a nonprofit that's grown out of different service projects that I've been doing. It's under the fiscal sponsorship of Hanuman Maui. And it's officially going to go live um, around the middle of December. I don't know when this is coming out. Um, and it's what's housing all of the service and various media projects I'm involved in, you know, in terms of prison outreach and spiritual support. And um, and this is something I'm really excited about. And, you know, my book, From and For God, and other offerings I have coming out, they all serve as a fundraiser for this service and media collective. 
Um, and all of that info will be in the show notes, um, which I will send you. But that's kind of where my passion lies currently. Well, I really want to thank you for joining the show. And um, this has been a great time for me. And, um, you know, here we are. This is the moment. And uh, here in love, we are love. And we are worthy to be this loving awareness. We are worthy to go this journey. So I thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, listeners. So this has been Under the Blanket Podcast with your host, Bobby Herelove. But I'm nobody special. You listening, you're me. The blade of the grass is me. The moon is me. Mars is me. George Lucas is me. George Lucas' (laughs) toilet is me. The person that cleans up George Lucas' poop because he has a diaper, actually. And there's nothing wrong with that diaper. It's a golden diaper with diamonds all over it. He doesn't wear it because he needs the diaper. He wears it because he likes a diamond with a diaper. Because he's got enough money. So he just puts the diapers, uh, the diamonds all over the diaper. Not at the place where his skin touches. Anyway, work with that. Have a nice, beautiful, groovy here now moment. And uh, I'll see you everywhere as everyone and everything. Rom, rom, rom. Rom, rom.